Can we give another round of applause for our speech choir? I love how much God's Word impacts our lives, don't you? In fact, I want to point out tonight that our theme is the Great Exchange, as I'm losing my papers here. Our theme for tonight is the Great Exchange, and our, our, our theme passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of of God. And tonight I just want us to think about this concept of this great exchange. In fact, we just heard in the speech choir that last words of Jesus, that it is finished. Have you ever taken time to just kind of think about and process and allow that, that to sink in? It is finished. What is finished? The gift that God has given us. The sacrifice that Christ made. The exchange of his life for our death. It is finished. In fact, did you know that John is the only one who recorded the fact that Jesus said, hanging from the cross, that it is finished? Matthew, Mark, and Luke leave that part out. And yet they include some other things that Jesus said that he mentioned that John in his gospel left out. Like, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? And yet, John, in John chapter 19, records that right before Jesus says, it is finished, there's this other exchange that's taking place where from the cross, Jesus looks down and he sees John, the disciple whom he loves, and he sees three Marys. There's Mary, his mother, there's his mother's sister, who's also named Mary. And then there's Mary Magdalene. And if you're in John chapter 19, verse 25, it, it describes this and what's taking place. And it says that when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son, referring to John. And to the disciple, he said, Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. See, it's custom that, that Jesus, the firstborn son, would take care of his mother after the passing of his father, Joseph. And so now, as Jesus' time on earth is coming to an end, he gives this exchange of sonship, of inheritance, of responsibility. And he looks at John, whom he loved as his brother, and he said, this is now your mother. See, he gave this exchange. And so I think, this is me putting myself in, in John's shoes to think this through, to think about the fact that John records then the fact that Jesus says from the cross that it is finished is another form of an exchange of what has already taken place of John receiving this inheritance this responsibility, this sonship. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see the second exchange that takes place where Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, he is restoring us 
God who is restoring us to our original place as his children, as his chosen ones, as the people he loves. But because of our great sin, we've been separated from God. And so Jesus steps in and he takes our place. I want to read this passage of scripture from several different translations and versions. In the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The New Living Translation puts it this way, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The message says this, In Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong, so that we could be put right with God. It's this incredible picture of what is deserved is not given, is not punished. It's this exchange. And I want to think about the, the first time maybe for you in your life that you realized this exchange has taken place. The sacrifice that Christ paid on the cross. See, I don't know about for, for you, but for me, I can remember that time, the first time that I realized the significance, the meaning, the, the weight of what Christ did for me on the cross. I can remember it clear as day. I was in ninth grade, and I was in Warsaw, Indiana at a Burger King. And I was reading with a guy who was a junior in college, who was a discipler to me. And we were going through a Max Lucado book called He Chose the Nails. And we're sitting in this Burger King at like three o'clock in the afternoon at the end of a school day. And we're reading this chapter on the fact that God loved us so much that he sent his son to become one of us. And I still to this day have it highlighted from what I read and some comments that I wrote in here. And as we read this, this at Burger King, and I'm going to read it here in a second, but as we were reading this, I'm not joking, I remember fully understanding and being able to picture what Jesus did for me, that he stepped in. For the first time as, as a ninth grade student, I realized that the only thing that I deserved was death. I realized the truth of, of Paul's writing in Romans, that the wages of sin, the earnings of sin, the penalty for sin is death. But the gift that God has given through his son is eternal life. And for the first time, I understood it. And here's what Max Lucado says in this passage and in this chapter. He says, Yet when God entered time and became a man, he who was boundless became bound, imprisoned in flesh, restricted by weary-prone muscles and eyelids. For more than three decades, his once limitless reach would be limited to the stretch of an arm, his speed checked to the pace of human feet. I wonder, was he ever tempted to reclaim his boundlessness? In the middle of a long trip, did he ever consider transporting himself to the next city? When the, cho 
when the rain chilled his bones, was he tempted to change the weather? When the heat parched his lips, did he ever give thought to popping over to the Caribbean for some refreshment? If he ever entertained such thoughts, he never gave in to them. With a wave of his hand, he could have boomeranged the spit of his accusers back into their face, but he didn't. With an arch of his brow, he could have paralyzed the hand of the soldier as he braided the crowns of the thorns, but he didn't. What you and I face daily, he never knew. Anxiety, he never worried. Guilt, he was never guilty. Fear, he never left the presence of God. Jesus never knew the fruits of sin until he became sin for us. And when he did, all the emotions of sin tumbled in on him like shadows in a forest. He felt anxious, guilty, and alone. Can't you hear the emotion in his prayer? My God, my God, why have you rejected me? These are not the words of a saint. This is the cry of a sinner. And this is the prayer of one of the most remarkable parts of his coming. But I can't, but I can think of something even greater. Want to know what it is? Want to know the coolest thing about his coming? Lucado says, not that he kept his cool while, in the fr- while the frozen or while the dozens of his best friends he ever had felt the heat and got out of the kitchen or that he gave no command to the angels who begged, just give us the nod, Lord. One word in these demons will be deviled eggs. Not that he refused to defend himself when blamed for every sin of every sinner since Adam or that he stood silent as a million guilty verdicts echoed in the tribunals of heaven and the giver of light was left in the chill of a sinner's night, not even that after three days in a dark hole he stepped into the Easter sunrise with a smile and a swagger and a question for lowly Lucifer, is that your best punch? That was cool. (laughs) That was incredibly cool. But want to know the coolest part about the one who gave up the crown of heaven for a crown of thorns? He did it for you, just for you. And I am telling you, I will never forget that day in Burger King when that thought entered my mind that Jesus came from a perfect place in heaven to earth, a very imperfect place, to exchange his life for me so that I wouldn't have to die. It is an incredible picture. I love God's word. I love that Paul encourages us and reminds us that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God that as God looks at us and says righteous. He looks at us and he sees his son and he says righteous. And when I compare that thought with the weight of my sin and the weight of all of the evil things that I've done, that I've sinned against God himself, that I've sinned against others, that I've sinned against myself, and because of what Christ did for me and that exchange to look at me, a sinner, deserving death and say I'm going to take the place let's trade places I'll pay the price 
you are now righteous. It's incredible. I'm going to ask Rebecca to come, and she's going to sing a song entitled Savior to Me. And as we sing this song, we're going to collect an offering for our benevolence fund. And I want to just encourage us to not let go of this picture of the great exchange that God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins to take the place that we deserved. It's a beautiful picture. We're going to continue to think about this throughout the rest of the evening, the great exchange. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5.24 Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. 2 Corinthians 5.15-21 He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Down the Via Della Rosa. So again, let me ask you, when was the first time, when was the first time that you fully grasped what God did for us by sending his son to become sin for us? Maybe it's now. Maybe it's tonight. What I want to do is I want to look back at the context of the passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Paul gives us before leading up to this powerful, life-changing verse of verse 21. And so let's, let's look back starting in verse 14 even of 2 Corinthians 5. And it says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so in this verse, in verse 15, we see both what happened and took place on Good Friday and the fact that Christ died. And then we, we can fast forward to three days later to the fact that he was risen. 
And yet, if we put ourselves in the disciples' shoes, maybe this week you've been going through the Holy Week devotional. Maybe as as you're just stopping to think about the process, what the weight of the disciples might have been feeling as they're losing their friend, their leader, this person that they've given years of their life to as he's discipled them, as he's poured into them. And I just, I picture them on Friday leading up to the crucifixion as they're in hiding during Christ's death on the cross. And I think about what would that have been like if I were one of the disciples? What would my response have been? I'm so glad that Jared shared even with us earlier and just very candid and open and honest that he would have sold Jesus out. And yet it's easy for us, right, to get on our high horse and pat ourselves on the back and to think, well, I wouldn't have done that. You know, I would have understood. I would have been different. But let's be honest. Would we? (laughs) What would our response have been? And think about the fact that after the crucifixion, after Jesus died, after it is finished, after this exchange has taken place, Saturday... See, the disciples didn't have this joy, this thought that, well, tomorrow is Easter. Tomorrow, Jesus will come back. Isn't that an incredible privilege for us to know that today is Friday and Jesus died on the cross? But we get the joy and the privilege of knowing that in a couple days, we're not going to have to wait long. In a couple days, it's Easter. We get to celebrate. We get to rejoice. We get to praise. We get, he's risen. But right now, it's Friday. And yet, don't you think that if you were one of the disciples, that question would just be looming in the back of your mind? Is it real? Is he going to keep his word? Will he really come back? And when? How long will we have to wait? How much will we have to suffer? How long shall we stay in hiding? And yet, Paul says in verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I love that. It really is this picture of if we become a follower of Christ, that the old is gone. We're no longer captive to our sinful ways, to our selfish desires. We're no longer called to live that life. We are victorious. We have new life. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to be reunited. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Thank the Lord. And that he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And look at verse 20. We are therefore, because of all of this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. 
We are to carry His name. We are to point the way. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. It's a challenge. It's a call for us to live our lives as the righteousness of Christ. Now, when you got up this morning, was that your first thought? Okay, God, may today be a day where people, when they look at me, they don't see Eric, they see you. I want to shine for God today. Was that the first thing that you thought when you woke up? I'll be real honest. I hit snooze probably 15 times on my alarm and continued to think about myself. Paul is pleading with us to understand what's going on. Now I want to give us a picture. You might be wondering why there are diamonds behind me on the screen. See, Good Friday. Someone just recently asked me, Eric, why do they call it Good Friday? Didn't Jesus die on Friday? Isn't that a bad thing? Why do they call it Good Friday? You see, I want to point out that without what happened on Friday... Easter and the fact that he is risen wouldn't be as, as meaningful, wouldn't be as powerful. It's, it's so similar to the fact that when a jeweler brings out something significant, a diamond. Now, I'm not making an announcement here, so don't let your minds wander or get ahead of yourselves. <laughs> I have not been ring shopping, okay? This is an illustration. When a jeweler brings out a diamond, what do they do? They put it in front of a black backdrop. And then most jewelers will even go so far as to shine a light on the diamond against the black backdrop so that you see this incredible picture of the significance of this diamond, right? You can behold it in all of its splendor and beauty. And isn't that exactly what God does with Good Friday and Easter. As Good Friday is the black backdrop behind this beautiful diamond that is Easter. And without Good Friday, without what Christ did to become sin for us so that through Him we might become the righteousness of God, Easter, it would just be another day. But because Christ died and conquered death, it is this incredible picture of this great exchange, of this beautiful thing that has taken place. And we are to live our lives in light of that. We are to live in such a way as Christ's ambassadors that no matter what we do, we are always pointing people to Him that when they look at us, they see Him that we're his ambassadors, that we're carrying this message of reconciliation, that we're offering it to all who has ears, let them hear, that we will continually be proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Christ, that he died and that he rose again, that he took our place for our sins because we deserved death. I thought that would get an amen. Thank you. This is exciting news. And God's word is clear that we have a task. There's a call. 
maybe some of us, maybe you haven't fully entered in to your Burger King moment in realizing what Christ has done for us on the cross. But in a minute, we're going to take the bread and cup. And if you haven't reached that point yet, maybe you haven't even come into a, a saving knowledge of Christ. Maybe you've never fully given your life over to be a follower of His. Maybe you're, you're seated here tonight and you're still kind of in this 7 a.m. wake up of, of just being selfish and not realizing that Christ has exchanged His life for your death. And if that's you tonight and you're not there yet, then I'm going to ask that, that you really wrestle and pray and ask God to reveal Himself to you, to unveil your eyes that you could see Him in all His splendor and beauty and that you would step into that relationship with Him where you become Maybe tonight, a fully devoted follower of Christ. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we've committed ourselves to following Him, to being a Christ ambassador, to carry the message of reconciliation. I invite you to partake in the bread and the cup. And as the ushers are, are preparing, I want us to think of this one last thought. Have you ever just stopped to think, why do we always refer to it as the bread and the cup? It's symbolic of his what? Body and blood. So why don't we call it his body and blood? Well, that's weird, right? That's morbid. But isn't that really what it means? Isn't that what the text says? Isn't that what Jesus himself told us? Do this in remembrance of me. This bread that I'm breaking is my body which is broken for you. And this cup is the blood that was spilt for you. And so when we do the bread and cup, forget about it being bread and juice. But understand fully that God gave His body, his blood, so that you could live forever in all eternity. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. That as he looks at us, he declares us righteous and we're no longer held captive to our sin. As we take the bread and cup, maybe you need to just spend some time at the foot of the cross. Maybe you need to get on your face before God. Maybe you need to have a Burger King moment right here in this place and just pour your heart out to God and thank Him for what He's done for us by sending His Son. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us, this great exchange. God, you know our sin. You know the ways that we have wronged you. Even today, Father, you know the things 
that we've done, the ways in which we've been selfish, the ways that we've made our life about us. God, would you forgive us? Thank you for sending your son to pay the penalty that we deserved. Thank you that he died a gruesome death for us. God, we thank you that Jesus paid it all. That he gave his body and his blood. So God, we remember and we give thanks for what you have done. May we show it in the way that we live. May our lives point people to you. That people wouldn't see us, but that we would be Christ's ambassadors carrying the message of reconciliation, the good news for all to hear. We thank you, Lord. Pray these things in your name. Amen. I want to invite you just in the silence to come partake of his body and blood. And in a few minutes, the praise team will come and they'll lead us in a song.